she came in there and she was like, look, Rob, I want you to tell me what's the real deal. And I ain't lying to you, Will, Gary. I ain't lying to you. I was like, let me tell you, the thing that moved me the most in this when he was like, one last time. I'm with you. One last time. Hamilton, boy. Hamilton is the junk. That is my junk. Changed my life. For those of you just joining us, Rob is talking about his junk. (laughs) (laughs) Per huge. (laughs) That is how that's how Rob do it. I'm talking about, man, seriously, don't you don't you get choked up every when he's like, raise a glass to freedom. Like, it's like, what? I feel you. Yes, yes, indeed. Raise a glass, indeed. That part didn't didn't get me apparently as much as it got you because you've been quoting it on Discord for like two days now. Days, and you never reply to me either. That's the thing. Because that didn't stick out to me. I don't cry because I'm a man. Hmm. Okay. Not much less of a, a, a evidently. Challenge accepted. We're going to make Gary cry tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be hard. It's too bad. Put that in the put that in your in your YouTube title. Gary cries tonight. Right. WWE, NWA, and AEW news plus Gary, Gary cries. cries. <laughs> we we guarantee it. <laughs> oh boy. What's up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horn, and this is this is the NWA, the podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest pro wrestling entity of all time, the National Wrestling Alliance. And as always, I am here with my best friends in life, my life partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the doctor, Robert Stinson. Hello, doctor. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Stinson here, won't you be my witness? That's good. That's really good. Uh, also, hey, it's Will.Daily, who's hopefully not rapping. Not today. Okay. I'll save it for next week. And we are happy to be doing the live show with you guys. I see so many of you in the chat right now, and uh, you're all beautiful people. When I, when I say that when I come in, I mean, I, I mean it, because I've seen all of your faces, and they're all gorgeous. I'm talking about Joe from The Nation Show. I'm talking about WWE Front Row, uh, or as we know him here, NWA Second Row. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about uh, Ringside Rant, this old RJ, Dave Scooby wrestling with the MMA, the masked fan, Thunder's husband, Brian Rosa, and uh, many more. I'm probably missing somebody. Jason Peace, I see you there, buddy. I see uh, uh, Dr. Red Tyler is here. Don't trust him. Sean Mega, you are back. Good to see you, buddy. And uh, this is awesome. It's so good to have you here. So as always, folks, we're doing the uh, special Sunday edition of the live show. And uh, you know what that means. If you don't, I'll tell you. It, it means we're going to talk about wrestling news. And, uh, and that's really all that's on the agenda today. We're going to talk wrestling news. We'll do a segment for the podcast listeners, everybody who's listening around the world. We thank you, especially our lovely friends in India. They, we, they love us in India. <laughs> Uh, we, we love you guys. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, we're, we're going to do the news for you guys. And then we'll do the special after, after show after that, where we, uh, talk specifically with the chat. So if you want to be a part of that, you have to join us live on YouTube. So, uh, make sure you do that. Uh, give us a follow on all the social medias. If you haven't already though, and you're here right now on YouTube and you haven't hit that like button, come on, man, what are you doing with yourselves? Hit that like button right now. You got to hit the like button. It helps us out. It means so much to us. 
And thank you to everybody who subscribed. We crossed 400 and we've moved on past it now, just like on Twitter and all the social medias and everything. It's growing. Guys, you're making it grow. You are all a part of this community. You special people. You're building something here with us. And uh, it's, it's awesome to be, to be a part of that, I think. I, I'm sure these guys can, can vouch for that as well. But uh, anyway, anything you guys want to get off your chest? If you, if you joined us a little earlier, you got Rob singing Hamilton. Um, and uh, just, I mean, that's, that's what you can expect if you show up uh, at the early portions of the show. But uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to talk about today before we jump into wrestling news? And also, we have lots of stuff submitted to talk about from online where uh, we, we solicited some topics. So anyway... Well, just for context, uh, the reason that we're talking about Hamilton is because I finally watched it for the first time twice in the last like 48 hours. Uh, it was incredible. And Rob's been begging me to watch it for a while now. I finally did. And it was totally worth it. So if you haven't seen Hamilton, I'm telling you, go watch it. It's amazing. I didn't have any like preconceived notions about it. I really didn't know that much about it. And it completely blew me away. Um, so that that was one of the highlights of, of my weekend, just on a personal note. Who's your favorite person on Hamilton? Ooh. Um, I, 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 mean, I want to <laughs> lean, lean towards uh, Aaron Burr just because I like um, the guy that plays him. But uh, He's got legit, like you check out his music on Spotify. Yeah, I saw that he's got some like solo jazz albums that are, are pretty dope. Um yeah, man. I mean, everyone was so good. I mean, nobody really stuck out as like, oh, that's my favorite. I mean, obviously, uh, I like David, who plays uh, Jefferson, and uh, I forget who he's who he is at the beginning. Lafayette. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that guy's yeah. so good. He's yeah. in the show. Uh, what's it called? The one where they're on the train right now. It's a sci-fi show, and it just. Oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I just forgot the name of it, but. Uh, that guy's really good, and he's in a movie called Blind Spotting that's out now, and I've heard that that's amazing too. But really talented fella. Man, Philippa Zhu plays uh, uh, Eliza Hamilton. Gosh, she is just incredible. And you can also you can see like that's the original cast. There 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 have been multiple casts in this. Actually, we have tickets. I don't, and and hopefully Piper doesn't see this because she's not supposed to know. But we bought tickets for the tour that they were supposed to do now, which is now been pushed back to next year but we still have them and, and you know, it's supposed to happen but this is going to be like the fourth cast but the the cast that they that the london cast is really good too of course but nothing's better than the original you know uh, lynn manuel is amazing flip sue that's my girl um which just you know my favorite character in in that whole uh i, I probably have to say aaron burr is also my favorite. I mean, I, I feel like he's misunderstood. I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, if you ever watch the Drunk History episode with Lin Manuel, where they tell the they you, Drunk History usually they've got like four skits, and it's uh, basically celebrities they get drunk and they tell the story. And it's funny, it's comedic, and and this one is too. But you know, Lin Manuel is a little more reserved, and he's a little more, you know, he he's like in his he's in his mind the entire time. But they devote this whole episode to Hamilton and uh, and he gives a lot of insight into like Aaron Burr and uh, the, the Skyler sisters and all this stuff and it's man you can't if, if, if you don't like Hamilton 
if you if you don't like Hamilton, you are not a wrestling fan. I said it. Well, Whoa. I was going to say it. Like, there's a lot of uh, – and you talk about this all the time, Rob, so just affirming a lot of what you say. But, you know, there's a lot of similarities. Just, you know, we talk about storytelling all the time. I mean, storytelling is the same whether you're talking about a song, a musical, a movie, you know, a, a, a TV series or pro wrestling. And um, that was one of the things for me, one of the reasons I liked Aaron Burr is because there was so much depth to his character. He was so dynamic. Like there was so many facets I felt like of, of that character. It wasn't like a, you know, this is not a knock on any of the other characters, obviously, but a lot of them kind of stuck to their lane throughout. And he was kind of, you know, there was just a lot of, of elements to him. And then obviously being, you know, the villain who, who kills Hamilton uh, yeah. spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen it, but um ever like was raised in an american classroom yeah yeah (laughs) but like you know that that to me is what jumped out and it's it's you know similar to the same stuff we like in pro wrestling so there's a tie we're not this isn't a tangent this ties back into pro wrestling it's art it's it's entertainment it's storytelling at its finest and um i just thought it was i thought it was wonderful and it's like it's like what we talk about all the time about like heels and faces too like how how the NWA is much more realistic. And this goes into to a, a recent shoot interview that uh, Nick Albus put out just a, within just the last day. And I, we'll talk about it later, but they talk about, you know, people being complicated and, and being mixed bags and more shades of gray than, than black and white. And you see, like, I remember when Hamilton came out, everybody was like, this is some kind of like, everybody made this big, like to do about how progressive it was and how, it was making this big cultural statement. I, I watched it. I was like, man, I watched this and I'm very, very proud. I came out being more proud being an American watching this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're telling a story about the, the immigrant past of American history and, and, but the storytelling and the character development and just the fact that everybody is flawed in it. man, it's amazing. If, if you're a wrestling fan, if you are a wrestling fan or you're, and particularly an NWA fan, you got to go watch Hamilton. You have to. Yep. Well, now that there's no audience left, um, <laughs> guys, let's get to some wrestling. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I also love Hamilton, so I'm 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 not I'm not going to talk trash about it. I, I I really enjoy it as well. Um, so uh, as far as wrestling news, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll get into that right now. Uh, Will, uh, you sent me over this article earlier. And it's from Wrestling Inc. And it says backstage news on top WWE stars contacting AEW. Uh, since its inception, AEW has shown that former WWE stars of varying levels of success, of success are welcome in the company. Basically, it's in reference to a pro uh, Wrestling Observer radio uh, episode with Dave Meltzer. Um, and uh, he says... Um, It's being reported that virtually everybody on the WWE roster has reached out to AEW in some fashion to discuss a potential future with the company. He notes that this includes whether or not the company has interest in the particular WWE superstar, and if so, how much money that person can make signing with AEW. So that's what the article's about, really. Um, I can say that, actually, I listened to that episode today. I am an Observer subscriber. Uh, I I have no shame, all you Meltzer haters out there and dirt sheet haters. Uh, And uh, I did hear this. This is... This is an example of, uh, I'm not knocking anybody here, but it's like kind of a, it's an article for a click, but it's like, it was a really passing statement in, in the actual show. Like I was listening to it and it's like, 
something Dave just says, like kind of casually, like they're he and Brian Alvarez are talking, they get a question in about who would WWE or AEW be interested in, yada, yada, yada. Do they know of anybody? All that stuff. And, and Dave's just very much like, oh, I mean, everybody's like, that's got friends over there or anything has asked the question, you know, like, what do you think I could get? Like, you know, he's like, the only person I've ever heard he said was uh, Roman Reigns. He was like, Roman Reigns, he's like, from everything I've ever heard or found out, he has like no interest in going anywhere else. Like, he's just assuming he'll be a WWE guy for life. So he's like, but he said that pretty much, I mean, what he was getting at basically is that like who he could see jumping ship. He's like, I think that there's interest from anybody. So it's up to Tony Khan and stuff to make a deal. If, if the person's available, it it didn't seem like any groundbreaking thing to me personally, really. It was just kind of like he said, I mean, obviously if you are a wrestler right now, you're going to, see what's what's available out there yeah and it it was another indicator you know we talk about the climate of of professional wrestling i mean you know despite the the massive profits that apparently wwe is making i don't think the morale is very high over there i mean they they cut a bunch of people loose and um so i think a lot of people you know because at the end of the day uh, these are real people you know what i mean and they're they're worried about their job just like the three of us and everyone in the chat are um, and they, they want to make sure they got a plan B. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, Rob and I were talking about that, about, you know, guys always having their eye on the future. And, um, and, and two, you know, there, there was a comment, I think from wrestling with the MMA on Twitter that is kind of applicable to this, but he, he suggested the topic of, of unreliable journalism, um, in, you know, pro wrestling on the internet. And, um, you know, this, this is another example of, you know, you see a headline and I mean, I bid on it. That's why I sent it to you guys. I was like, oh man, this says that everyone, everyone is, is, uh, you know, looking to get out of WWE, which would be huge if it were true. And if that's actually what Meltzer had said, but then, you know, Gary comes in with the context and he's like, you know, it was kind of just like a over-exaggerated passing comment. Like, well, you know, everyone is, checked out aew over there and there and it's like it's just an example of like you know we do have a lot of news sources and we do have a lot of of uh, of websites and and publications and things like that online to get uh news from when it comes to wrestling but you do have to kind of comb through all of it with a skeptical a skeptical mind because some of this stuff gets blown out of proportion and we've seen that this week with you know i don't know if we're gonna get into the weeds about it but some spoilers about AEW that involve NWA talent. And then, you know, right after that articles saying that that stuff was BS. And so you just don't know who to believe. And I don't know the best course of action is if you want to read it and, and be entertained, that's fine. But just I, think that's, out. I think that's why you typically see from us. We don't like what Will's talking about right now. We haven't run with like on any of the public Twitter accounts or the Instagram or anything really. Cause it's like, that's not an official anything yet. Yeah. Uh, we toyed around with it. Like, I, I mean, I have no shame in admitting I was like on top of that Ziggy Dyson news a little while back and retweeted that from our end, our account. And it turns out that wasn't exactly all straight. Like it wasn't, you know, exactly. And that's the context. That's I, was the like, I, I was the one I was like, guys, hold on now. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Remember Papa that? Rob, Papa Rob was keeping it straight. But here's the thing is like, 
the thing to remember, and you know this from just reading these articles, even this article that we're referring to now from WrestlingInc.com, which does have some great information. Uh, they do great recaps and they report on viewership and things like that. But, you know, occasionally there are articles like this where it's it, 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 like it's not like they have a source within the WWE or, or AEW or anything like this is they're quoting Dave Meltzer from right. podcasts that anyone can listen to if they have a subscription. You know, so it's not like it's not like anybody's like reporting breaking news that nobody has access to. You know what I mean? And so you yeah. kind of have to view things with that lens and you say, OK, if it's quoting Dave Meltzer, maybe I should go listen to the context of how it's presented. And yeah. if they're if they're quoting another podcast or an interview that a talent has done, like maybe I should go check that out before, like just reading this article and deciding, oh, this is true, you know. I think I think part of it is one Meltzer is so good at like reading the landscape. He's been doing this so long that he he is so good at even without necessarily having a source. He's been very remarkable at anticipating things and just again just reading the landscape. The other thing is like you have Chris Jericho put out uh, you know put out the top five I want to see come right on the heels of this, and so that only fuels the speculation. Like wait a second, hold on now, is there something? Why is Jericho? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I mean, the thing about wrestling journalism and I am not, I, you know, journalism was one of my 16 majors. I think I bounced around through uh, in college, not able to decide what I wanted to do with my life. But so, but I'm not an expert by any means, but one source journalism is it's never a solid option. Like it's, it's like, if you, if you think you've got a story, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's never like a great idea to just run with like one, one person is telling you like feel the story a little bit, like get some facts together, like ask a couple of places. It's a good idea to try to get an actual, like, like Rob said, like a lay of the land, like get a, get a whole thing together uh, from different points of view. And, and then maybe you've got something, but generally like running with like this one guy told me this thing, um, that's 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 another thing that a lot of sites do right now which is kind of irritating but it's also like he said she said that he said or she said like it's like third or fourth hand news it's yeah, like yeah. well dave Meltzer said this on a podcast that he heard somebody say that somebody said that like you know what i mean it just gets really muddled and you know you play that game when you're a kid the telephone game where you tell a secret and it goes down the, i mean before by the time it gets to the end it's like completely exaggerated and different i mean th that's how that's how a lot of these stories are. And so, you know, we, we, we were talking, uh, we were talking a few weeks ago uh, and as, uh, I think Will and Will, you and I were talking and I sent you a message and it was like, Hey man, <laughs> and this is, I'm not trying to be funny here or anything, but I was like, Hey, did you see Raven's comments? Remember that? And <laughs> this was like the day before it broke. We, we were like the first to see it, you know? And then like by the same time, the next day, the NWA was closing down, man. You know, it was closing down. Billy had sold it, you know, all this stuff. And and, and we were like, you know, we, we all agreed together. We're like, hey, hold on now. <laughs> this don't this doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we would know something. <laughs> uh, it's funny wrestling with the MMA in the chat is like throwing out the context or the, the point that in instances like this where I love the wrestlers of the NWA, you just hop on social media and ask them and they'll tell you whether or not it's true. Yeah. And that's a that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, I don't think we've run into anything that we've heard about the NWA that we haven't been able to just ask straight to the source. Like, is this accurate? Um, I can vouch for like just recently with the uh, Texas show coming up with Aldis and Jeff Cobb. I saw that on there and I was like, 
I don't know. I've seen people just make stuff up before. So I shot a, I shot a tweet out to all this. Is this real? Got one back. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's just that yeah. easy. So it was, uh, he's, it, it, it makes sense. Now I, I do want to address something else too, by the way. Um, because, because I am about this, like different points of view or like going straight to the source to hear it from the horse's mouth to sometimes, um, I saw uh, Sean Megan, this is not to call you out in the chat, but he said that uh, Meltzer is obsessed with AEW to bias. And, and you may be actually listening to Wrestling Observer and you're getting that. But I swear to God, I hear people like Bruce Pritchard talk about Dave Meltzer like he is the worst person in the world about delivering something. I have that guy literally last week. I heard Bruce Pritchard say something about his obsession or something, or a fan wrote in something about his obsession with AEW. And like that same week on wrestling observer radio, he like dragged AEW, like just dragged him. Like he was not like, not like a cruel way, but he was like, this show was not good. Like they could have done this better. And like, I don't understand what they're thinking with this. This doesn't make any sense. Like he had a lot of criticism of AEW. And I was listening to it thinking like, I keep hearing all the time about how this guy's obsessed with it. And, uh, and like Brian Alvarez had the opinion and, and I, I personally think this is fair, but he was like, he's like the, the reason AEW gets a pass a lot of times is because at least they're usually pretty good. And he's like, they're, he's like, I've noticed. He's like, I'm like, this show's really great. The next week I'm like, that was all right. The next show, I'm like, that was good. <laughs> the next week, I'm like, ah, I can take it or leave it. But he's like, but generally, they're they're consistently decent shows. And he's like, it's not like where I watch WWE. And I'm like, what the hell? I would not do this if I was not paid to do this. They're, and, uh, they're also a brand new promotion that don't, don't have decades of being the number one wrestling promotion in the world. Uh, and so you're going to be a little more critical of a promotion that has all the money, all the talent they could ever want and still can't execute a good show. than you are, you know, you're looking at it in context and with the AEW, somebody who's trying to do something new and groundbreaking, you're going to have a little more grace with your criticism of them. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's, I think there's, wrestling is is very divisive and there's a lot of people who say it's my promotion or the highway as we talk about all the time on this show um we don't necessarily feel that way uh we're not that kind of show we're not the kind of show that's like it's the nwa or the highway we prefer the nwa we're going to watch it over any other promotion because we think it's the best promotion that exists as we say at the beginning of every show uh, of all time but that doesn't mean we we don't care about the other promotions or we think they all suck and they're all lame because they don't do exactly what the NWA does. If every promotion was the NWA, it, it, it would not be good uh, because everyone will be trying to copy everyone else. Everyone's got their own place. The NWA does their own thing. AEW is trying to carve out their own name and there's going to be some overlap and uh, some things like that. And, and there's going to be criticisms all around. But to just say outright, like, this promotion sucks because it's not the one that I like to me, that seems a little narrow minded. And I think people, you know, they'll, they'll get sound bites of Meltzer 
you know, praising AEW for something or New Japan, you know, it used to be before AEW, it was, he's, he's a New Japan mark. And, you know, I think taking those little sound bites and running with it um, isn't super fair, but you know what, at the same time, not everybody has to like Meltzer, you know, everybody's, you got your cup of tea, you know what I mean? And that's, if you don't like him, that's great. You don't have that's to. That's a hundred percent true. And and don't forget, it's a business. It's a business for all of them. Yeah. So. I mean, you got to look at Meltzer. Meltzer is is Observer is one of the biggest wrestling news outlets, and and we live in an age right now when media is heavily criticized, regardless whether it's CNN or Fox News or NPR or whatever. Everybody's going around fake news, or whatever. Meltzer is part opinion, part self promotion, part news, but he's the biggest source. And uh, I have always valued Meltzer. I, you know, I don't always agree with them, but that's okay. The world is big enough to, to for disagreement. I mean, uh, by the way, neither do I. Just just to throw you, that out there. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, but but uh, Meltzer, Meltzer has has given. He's been critical of the NWA. He's been very praiseworthy of Nick Aldis. He's he's uh, he's given. You know, I'm I don't believe in like I don't when, when it comes to covering news. It's like you know me and me and front row we're the two house presbyterians i don't want to get into presbyterianism but <laughs> but as a, as a presbyterian go. you know when it comes to epistemology one of the fundamental tenets of presbyterianism is we don't believe in objective brute fact like every fact is interpreted by opinion so everything like i can't come in here and say hey i'm going to be objective to you because i'm not i'm not objective i've got my favorites i've got my opinion and every opinion that i have is going to be colored by that melzer's the same way he's a human being uh, the opinions that he give are his, but they are seasoned by experience, by knowledge, by it's like it's like uh, uh, Dave Marquez, man. Dave Marquez is one of the patron saints of the NWA in the modern era. Do I agree with everything Marquez says? No, I, no, I'm a Republican. I don't I don't agree with a lot of things he says, but I respect them. He's informed. And whether he's right or wrong, this man comes with a wealth of information and, and you'd be a fool to discard it. The same thing with Meltzer. I've yeah. heard, you know, through through telephone lines, you know, the, the, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say, like the telephone, telefriend, telewrestler, or something like that, they always say. But, um, you know, I've heard like Marquez and Billy don't even believe the same things. Like, right. and, and even have the same philosophy on what wrestling is. Yet here they are, they just worked out a deal. And uh, so... It's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's um, it's it's interesting to see. Now, I, I, I want to give some credence to second row, NWA second row in the chat saying that uh, there was something about he remembers him being disparaging of women's wrestling. That would be interesting to me. I don't I don't recall that. Um, and and somebody said it the other day when we mentioned Meltzer, and I was curious. I was like looking for this, and I can't find that. And like literally today. In the in the Observer radio, they were recapping the UFC event and somehow got into discussing like Ronda Rousey and he was actually really praiseworthy of like women combatants and that sort of thing. Now they did just do a episode yesterday that was all about intergender wrestling, uh, about Lance Storm. He got kind of run over this week because he was anti-intergender wrestling and put something out about that. And, uh, and he had a different take on it, by the way, than I had ever heard, but it was, uh, it was interesting, but they, they kind of got into that, but it, I don't know. I don't feel like I've ever heard him at any point talk down about, he had the same opinion about like Becky and uh, 
Rousey should have headlined WrestleMania and Charlotte shouldn't have been involved and uh, that sort of stuff. But I've never heard him like at like women's wrestling. I mean, he may be one of the people that says like, it's not ready to be the top thing unless you've got exactly the right people, which, you know, that's right. a matter and of opinion. But Like the WNBA, for instance, and you can't deny the athleticism and ability of those women. And this is not just to, to, to downplay the women of WNBA, for instance, but, you know, they're giving out, they give out, they give away WNBA tickets because people are just more interested in seeing the, the NBA. I mean, it, this is not a statement about, you know, equal pay or about, you know, the, the competitiveness of women athletes or anything like that. It's just a, a fact that, that um, you know, you, you've got a certain level of, of – and this is to the credit of the NWA because I think the NWA, like right now, I feel like Thunder Rosa, I feel like she could headline an NWA event. I feel like people would buy that. You know what I mean? hundred percent, yeah. I think, I, think Thunder, I think Thunder Rosa, Allison Kay, Thunder Rosa, Camille – um, any of those that would be a main event on, on a, on a pay-per-view for NWA right now, you could, you could build a show around that. Yeah. That's one of the beautiful parts, by the way, I love it when they, when they build stuff like that up that like your women's, well, they did it hell in power power. Some week was main evented by their tag team titles. Another week was main evented by the women's title. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, I, well, you don't see many shows doing that. The day that uh, the, the 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 Monday that uh, um, or the I'm sorry, the Tuesday that uh, Melina and Thunder Rosa were scheduled to wrestle, and of course, Gary, we were there, so we knew the outcome of that. But the day that they were building that up, the the, the, the infamous match that ended in the countout. Like, if you go back and look at Twitter and Instagram that day. The only thing people talked about that day was Thunder Rosa and Melina. That's the only thing that that like dominated the discussion. And it, I mean, it was like one of the most viewed episodes because they wanted to see Thunder Rosa and Melina hooked up, and, and then it, they were setting it up for the for the Crockett Cup, Cup match that, that never happened. But but it just goes to show the power of the way the NWA had, had they did it correctly. I guess is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Um. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I think bringing it back to, you know, talking about journalism and and pro wrestling, I mean, the interesting thing where pro wrestling is, is really unlike anything else on earth is that, you know, you talk about journalism and reporting of news. So you've got, you know, when, when we were growing up, there was PWI and things like that, and they would just report on what happened in the ring for the most part, you know, storylines things like that. But we live in an age now where it's so easy to pull back the curtain and to see the business side of things and to talk about that, which is primarily what, what Meltzer and these guys are, are reporting on. And that's the stuff that creates headlines and stuff like that. But, but these news sources are a lot of times built around a, a person like a Dave Meltzer or a Sean Ross Sapp or something like that. And so it just becomes very like very single narrow viewed, right? And so if, if they don't like a certain promotion, they're going to be completely biased. If they do like one, they're going to lean more, you know what I mean? And so it's definitely, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that a lot of news media outlets in general are, 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 are non-biased at all. That's a whole different discussion, but in terms of wrestling, you know, there's, they don't have press conferences, you know, typically, 
you know, WWE will have the occasional media call or something like that, but they don't do like regular press conferences. I mean, with other sports, you can sit there and, and they'll talk about the game. The coach will come out and say, this was our plan. This is what happened. This is where we went wrong. Blah, blah, blah. You don't get that. You don't have Tony Khan coming out after every dynamite going, well, yeah, we know that they botched this spot. And, uh, you know, well, the original storyline was to go this way. Like, you don't have that because of the way that wrestling is is built. I mean, you even have that in the entertainment world where it's like, hey, this new movie came out and this guy's going to be on Jimmy Fallon talking about it. And he's going to tell behind the scenes, oh, well, we did this and the casting was like this. So wrestling is, is unique in the sense that, you know, we can see behind the curtain, but people are holding it closed for the most part. So we've got these people that are trying to pull it back. And a lot of times this will lead to speculation. This will lead to, you know, these clickbait type headlines where it's like, oh, we got the scoop on this, but there's not really a reliable source, you know, because it's not public information like it is in other news outlets. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Hey, I, I, you know, we don't have to go all the way down the rabbit hole, but I am a steady believer. I mean, and I was even kind of hinting at it already is that I believe in general, even with your political and world news and everything else, it's a good idea to not rely on one source. And uh, it's uh, it's because every everybody's got something that pays their bills. So it's uh, everybody kind of finds their niche. Uh, even us, we do this and it pays all our bills. <laughs> guys like me and me in the front row like to say man everybody has their presuppositional pre-commitment man. yeah but but it is interesting you know one thing i've noticed over the last little while is like when i was first getting into the internet wrestling community uh i remember it was like steady rumors but like guys that used to do it more like i don't feel like i hear it as much from like the torch like so i subscribe to the pw torch and i subscribe to wrestling observer i don't feel like they do the rumors anymore like not as much like they like Meltzer will talk about something he heard backstage you know like that has already happened like i heard this was this way or something but um he doesn't seem to like get ahead of time is like well what's gonna happen in a few weeks is so-and-so is going to drop the title because they would have moved him to elsewhere. Like, I don't hear him do that as much anymore. It's kind of interesting. Um, and uh, by the way, too, to his credit, and this is one of the reasons I stuck with him, is I have heard him walk back uh, and apologize multiple times for getting something wrong, like where he has reported something and been like, that turns out not to be true and I dropped the ball. Like, he straight up says it like that. I can't vouch for this. My source was incorrect and I should have, you know, should have validated this a little more. And uh, so I, I, I guess I kind of respect that part of it too. Uh, just that like, you know, people are going to mess up sometimes. And uh, so it's interesting to me. All right. So we can move on uh, to the next thing. I love the, that that guy, everybody in the chat room talking, we went on this, uh, on this uh, whole and then, tangent. And then I love that, like, we set it up by talking about how unreliable wrestling journalism is. And now we're going to talk about, like, articles <laughs> that we've been sharing over the past <laughs> week. That's how this works, Will. Well, oh, well. Maybe we we are as God that. made us. And we're Maybe hypocrites. We save this conversation for the end. But, you know, we can't go back. We're live. So. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, 
According to, <laughs> this is another perfect example. According to whatculture.com in this article, according to whatculture.com, according to PW Insider, <laughs> a rep from the city of Orlando tells me that uh, WWE has a use agreement with the Amway Center through October 30th with no fans present in the building. So barring an amendment in the agreement, no live fans through October, but WWE gets arena access for all events through then. So yeah, basically just uh, you've seen for SummerSlam, WWE is moving out of the Performance Center. They're moving into the Amway uh, Center, and uh, it looks like they've signed a deal, and they're just going to be there uh, through October. And part of that deal is no, no peoples. So uh, it'll be November before you see live fans, apparently. They secured a venue, basically. Yeah, I mean that that article was more about that than the the no fans thing. I think we're all aware that, that we're not going to see uh, full arenas for a, a good long while. But we hadn't talked about yet on this show um, a uh, WWE moving out of the Performance Center, the implications of that, um, and you know starting I think starting with SummerSlam and then maybe after that Raw and SmackDown will be from the Amway Center. So um, it's interesting. So this one will play perfectly. It would just drag us back into the same conversation we were just having um, on WrestlingInc.com. Uh, they talk about the latest episode of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, uh, former WCW president, reminisce, reminisce, re, why can't I say that? Reminisce back to 1997. This was when Nitro beat Raw in the ratings every single week and both shows uh, with both shows here, co-host Conrad Thompson brought up a recent report that WCW tried to get Jose Lothario to appear on Nitro in June 1997 to get the rumors flying of Shawn Michaels potentially making his way to WCW. Lothario was just coming off a stint of managing Michaels, and Bischoff discussed that report by Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Radio. There it is. Our newsletter. He yeah. says, quote, this was pure fiction by Meltzer. There was never a discussion. There was never an intent. Shawn Michaels, if he hears this, and I doubt he will, but he might read the recap somewhere. As talented as he was and as much of a star he was, he was an effing headcase. He knew it, and he certainly acknowledges it now. I had zero interest in Shawn Michaels or creating the perception and stirring that shit. That would have been stirred in my own locker room and on my own roster by even the suggestion that this was going to happen. Um, Michaels had previously said in an interview in 2015, there was a point where he wanted to go to WCW to be with his buddies. But Bischoff says, despite having friends in high places in WCW, Michaels didn't have the support of most of the WCW locker room. Uh, he says, Shawn Michaels did not have a lot of support, not only in WWE, but certainly not in a WCW locker room at that time because of his behavior. Shawn will talk about it. You can read about it, and it's well-documented. That would have been the last thing I would have done, and it was pure, pure fiction by Dave Meltzer to try and create some content and to get some people interested and make people think he knew information that nobody else did. It was fiction. And that's fake news, baby. It was fake news. Fake news, Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Dave Meltzer is fake news. <laughs> um, I don't man, know, man. <laughs> I think of like I, I going back to the uh, the uh, what's called an Aldis episode where Nick Aldis and James Storm are talking about like everybody talked about how the TNA locker room is so bad and and they're like no it wasn't and I've heard the same thing, man. I've been in locker rooms and in, in the independent wrestling circuit and where people say something and I've I've seen it myself. I'm like that's not the case. 
it's like, who knows, man? You know, I know there, there are a lot of people that resent Shawn Michaels. There's also a lot of people that really love him. Um, so he, he had friends with the, the clique and, and those guys were in the WCW. So it doesn't, it wouldn't be like outside the realm of, of you know, possibility that he would want to come. But also, you know, at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that's the that's one of the franchise players in the WWE, and he had bad blood with Red Hart. So who knows? But uh, and, and and again, going back to what we said earlier, Meltzer is part news, part entertainment, part self promotion. So you know, who knows? Yeah, uh, that well, that that point is is accurate. I even say the same thing all the time to people that are huge fans of Cornette and the Jim Cornette experience and all of that stuff. Like, hey, I like listening to him rant too. So, uh, this I'm not talking out of school, but that guy is. You're kidding yourself if you don't think he's amping it up. If he doesn't know that he has a brand and he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, he does. He and he works on it. Now, he's, I will say he's been that way for decades, though. I mean, he he would get attacked at shows because he he leaned in so heavy to his heel gimmick. And that's what got him over, even, you know, as a heel. And he was hated, you know, by the fans and he would have physical altercations with fans, you know, back in those days. And that wasn't uncommon. And, you know, obviously he's going to stick to that gimmick now because that's what his that's that's what makes his money. You Heck know? Yeah, man, he knows. He can rile up some AEW fans. Like he knows that all he's got to do is crap on that show, and he's got some. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he probably has like legitimate opinions about these things. But the reason he gets so hard, like go so hot and heavy on them, is because he's like this. This sells. This is what yeah. gets me merch and all of that stuff. Um, but going back to the Shawn Michaels thing, really quick, uh, Will. I'm curious uh, what you think too. Um, I feel like obviously this could be something Dave Meltzer's assuming. I'm not discounting that. Like Rob said, Dave Meltzer is in the entertainment and that would be a very interesting proposition, especially for that time period. But I also question the idea that Eric Bischoff would not be interested in Shawn Michaels. That's what stuck out to me now. And I'll say this. I mean, my opinion, I was an avid WCW fan during those years. I mean, I, 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 I was WCW first, you know, WWF if I had time. Um, but obviously I was aware of, of Shawn Michaels and, and people like that. You could, how could you not be? Um, and when I think back on that time, there's just, you know, as much as I would think, well, logically a superstar like Shawn Michaels, they should be interested. If he was interested in coming over, why would they, not, but at the same time, like I see what Bischoff is saying and not just about the, the personal issues and, you know, what he said about, about Sean being a handful um, behind the scenes because of all the stuff he was dealing with. But like, I just, you know, the, the character of the heartbreak kid, I just don't know if that would have gelled well in WCW. I don't know if it would have been over as much. I think it would have been akin to Bret Hart coming over and he was never over in WCW the way he was in WWF. He never reached the same level. And I I think the same thing would have happened with Shawn Michaels. I don't think they would have known what to do with him if he had gotten there. I mean, they could have put him with his buddies or had him feud with his buddies because you would have had chemistry there. But like, is he ever going to reach the the heights that he did as WWF champion or, or I mean it just I don't think it would have happened so I think I, I believe Bischoff I think he he might be be uh, 
overstating his hesitancy. I, I think there probably would have had to have been some conversations and some raised eyebrows like, hey, should we go after him? He's a big star for the other company and some competitive nature stuff there. But I, I don't think in the long run he would have been a, a superstar in WCW. Right. It wasn't a right fit. It's almost like what you're saying about Bret Hart not being ever really over. I mean, I was excited to see him come, but it's like when Ric Flair went to the WWF, man, it mm-hmm. just didn't feel right. You know I mean? He never got that big. You, you expected that, that rest, that first WrestleMania to be him and Hogan. It never happened. He, he got in there, he got into a, a little deal with Roddy Piper and uh, it just never, it just never felt big. Like we always dreamed it would be. Yeah. So I think I agree a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Before we move on to the next thing, uh, I just want to give a shout out to NWA Second Row for helping us out and uh, helping produce the show. He uh, sent me a little bit of a notification here, and I uh, just wanted to give him credit for it. But uh, former Ring of Honor champion Xavier has passed away just now, and uh, oh, that's just coming out. Um, John Jiris, Jiris, I believe is his real name. He was the uh, second ever Ring of Honor champion, yeah. I believe. Um, and uh, so he's he's done a lot, especially on the independent circuit, uh, but uh, just all over the place. Uh, uh, he was an ICW and East Coast Wrestling and all over the place. I was just looking up some stuff here, but uh, seeing it reported in a few reliable spots that uh, he has passed away. So I uh, just want to give our condolences uh, to he and his family uh, during this time. But uh, just wanted to give a give that announcement for any of you who might be interested in that. And just to acknowledge uh, a passing of one of our, uh, one of our people. Right. Until Valhalla. That's what we say. Yeah. Right. All right. So uh, the uh, moving on in the news portion of the show, uh, WWE is planning to bring back Saturday night's main event. Uh, according to uh, trademarks filed um, on August the 11th. Uh, they did yeah. not. They did not. They did not file trademarks with Rob Stinson or with Gary Horn. But on that day, so. But yeah, they they uh, filed some trademarks, uh, just like really locking down a bunch of shirts and hoodies and sweatshirts and action figures and all kinds of stuff. But uh, one of these things that we're seeing thrown around here, Saturday night's main event was re-upped. So uh, that could be. I mean, would make sense. It could also be they just don't want anybody else to ever take it. So True. There's a lot of competition right now. I mean, if it's not trademark, someone else could snatch it up. I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, of gimmick stealing as, as of late uh, with the enhanced competition in pro wrestling. So it could just be that. I mean, or it could be that, you know, they're looking for more opportunities right now to generate some, some traffic on the network maybe, and they're going to relaunch it as a network-only special or, I don't know, something like that. But – um, that was an interesting, uh, an interesting story. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll hit the heavier stuff first before we get into the lighter stuff here. Cause I got some stuff I know Rob's going to love and, uh, a great interview we're going to talk about with Nick Aldis here. Uh, if you haven't hit like yet, go ahead and hit like, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing Brian Cervantes in the chat getting, uh, real impatient about some NWA news. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to talk about NWA stuff. We're saving the best for last. It's the main event. NWA is always the main event. This is the undercard. We got some huge Mission Pro news coming. That's right. Uh, But uh, the other heavier piece of news uh, that I wanted to hit on that I thought was uh, interesting, if not unsettling, uh, the Tampa Bay Times just confirmed a uh, report of, of course, this is coming from Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. Uh, 
they received from a neighbor of Daria Baranato, better known as Sonia Deville. Philip A. Thomas II, 24, came from South Carolina and spent eight months plotting to kidnap her. Uh, He was charged with aggravated stalking, armed burglary of a dwelling, attempted armed kidnapping, and criminal mischief, and is being held without bail. Uh, Basically, it says uh, he parked his car around midnight last night and walked to the home owned by Bernardo. He then alleged to have cut a hole in the patio screen and remained there for three to four hours while watching and listening through the window. The belief is that Baranato and a friend at the time were watching the UFC fights. At 2.43 a.m., after she had gone to bed, Thomas entered the home through a sliding glass door, which activated her alarm. She spotted Thomas and fled with a guest in a car and called 911. He was in the house when the police arrived. They found him carrying a knife, plastic zip ties, duct tape, mace, and other items. Uh, he told police he was planning to take her hostage with. That is insane. People, if you're listening to this right now, or if you're in this chat room and you have any plans of going to any at anybody's house, much less a wrestling celebrity's house, and you want to kidnap them, stop that. Stop what? What in the world? I mean, obviously, this is a person with uh, mental illness of some kind. I mean, I, I can't imagine most rationally thinking people would do this. Where was he from? <clears throat> Not important. <laughs> <laughs> He's from South Carolina. That's why it stood out to me as well. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> some ba- there's, there's some bad apples among us down south here. My, my, wife, uh, my wife works at Hamilton Medical Center. A hospital just a few miles down the road and there are creepers she's like every night she's when she gets off she calls me it's like i just want to be on the phone with you until i get in the car and uh you know i'm not here to, to go on a second amendment rant or anything but we can still carry and i keep a weapon in her car because she's a mom you know and 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 all that and so but but there are people out there are crazy man people are crazy and uh and this is just another example of it it's true. Anything to add to that, William? William no. Wilson. Wilson. There you go. Thank you, Wilbert. At least call me by my. <laughs> at least call me by my name. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I, I, you know, anyone, much less wrestling celebrities, that have to fear for their well being or their life is is terrible. Um, but it, you know, these kind of people are out there and. Um, Hopefully this is one less of those that are, are out there on the street and he gets the help and uh, is held accountable for his actions. But yeah, hope, hope it uh, never happens again. Yeah. Uh, pretty unfortunate. All right. One last piece of non NWA news. And in the meantime, while we're discussing it, I want everybody to think long and hard about what happens from here um, because there's obviously a huge piece of, NWA news that is floating around out there, but it is nothing at this point except rumor. So we could talk about it on the news show, or we could just save it till after after hours if you guys want to. But you could let us know in the chat what you think sounds best. But be thinking about it because we'll get to it right after this. And then I want to cover that Nick Aldis interview because it was uh, it had some really cool nuggets in there. But uh, next up is uh, Cody Rhodes on uh, Twitter the other day. Uh, he was uh, having a conversation with fans about the TNT title. And uh, this is pretty cool. I figured this was uh, some stuff Stinson would enjoy. 
because uh, I know I've heard him uh, repeat these points multiple, on multiple occasions. Um, basically, uh, a fan tweeted out, Mike Killiam says, I'm seriously obsessed with this thing. I've never really wanted a replica title before, but if Cody Rhodes ever leaves them in the limo while at a steakhouse, I'm definitely stealing it, talking <laughs> about the TNT Championship. Um, and uh, Cody replied back with, yeah, she's a looker, all right. My goal is to make it the most important and coveted belt of all time. Uh, the walk from my office to the entrance tunnel on Wednesday was maybe my favorite behind-the-scenes moment ever. Stop folks in their tracks. Uh, somebody, uh, because Twitter is full of this, uh, replied back, shouldn't the world championship be the most important or more important than the TNT championship? And Cody replied with, man slash woman wearing any belt defines it, not the other way around. I don't believe in mid-card titles. And um, so that was uh, that was the discussion here and just an interesting concept. But uh, I think I've said on the show before that it felt like in some ways that TNT title was getting a little bit bigger, almost feeling more prestigious than the world title at times. And I and I and I get what they're trying to do, because the world title is not defended regularly on AEW television um, just on occasion. But Cody's been like steady every week putting that thing up against a new challenger and it's not new. I mean, this is something we saw uh, more recently, like John Cena with the U S title do uh, he'd have that open challenge for the U S title, something about that gimmick. Like it really kind of gives you something to look forward to each week. I feel like, and so that along with the way Cody carries himself and that title, it, it, it started making the TNT title a pretty big deal in AEW, which I think is, kind of awesome considering you know i don't even know if i could tell you who's world champion in WWE right now i'm just kidding i could but but i'm just saying it's cool to have two titles that are top notch and uh i where, where do you guys stand on this like as far as cody saying he doesn't believe in mid-card championships yeah i get i get what he's saying um and i mean if that was coming from anybody but the holder of one of these "Quote unquote mid card titles, it would be a little bit different, but I mean, how how like would you rather him like say yes, this is the title that I currently hold, but it's not as big. Like, no, he's gonna think that it's the the greatest title ever. I mean, I, this in recent WWE memory, this happened with AJ Styles when he became the you you uh, the United States champion. He did the same thing. He came out and he basically said on TV. He said, this is the number one title in the WWE right now because AJ Styles has it. And I think every guy should have that mentality. That's a believable mentality. We talk a lot about authenticity and believability. Nobody wants to play second fiddle. You know what I mean? And now the NWA, they, they paint it a little bit differently. And they've got, you know, when James Storm was the national champion, came coming out saying, hey, I'm the national champion, but I want the 10 pounds of gold. So they do a little more acknowledging of the hierarchy of, of the titles and you know, the NWA is built around the fact that the the world title and the women's world title are the pinnacle. Um, and so in the, in the NWA, it is going to have more of a mid-card feel. And now there's some debate. Um, Jay Cal and I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the Friday Hot Tag, um, you know, the TV title versus the national title, which is more prestigious in, in the NWA. And, I mean, we we had differing opinions on that because there's a, there's a clear pecking order but for me, I've always been a TV title guy because I knew it was going to get defended. I was always more excited about a TV title match. And, um, you know, those storylines were just 
way more exciting for me. So, you know, I, I think prestige is the wrong word because especially in the NWA, when you talk about prestige, it's, it's sweet Charlotte, right? I mean, that's prestige. It's the Burke that's prestige. Um, and so it's hard to really compare any of the other titles to the, to those levels. But when you're talking about AEW and WWE, I think it's a fair conversation to say that it's possible that the, you know, maybe they're not considered mid card titles. And that's a little bit degrading to call them that because listen, when you look at AEW right now, you, you look at the guys that are wearing the belts, Cody Rhodes or John Moxley. Now this isn't taking anything away from John Moxley, but I haven't really popped for any of his title defenses and, and he hasn't, I mean, he's, he's great and I'm glad he's there, but when you're talking in terms of star power entering ability and all that kind of stuff, I would say that Cody is the top of the food chain in that regard. And if he holds the TNT title, he's got a fair point to say that that's the most prestigious title in the AEW. Now that kind of throws us as traditionalists who have a pecking order in our mind. It kind of throws us on our heads a little bit, but I can get where he's coming from. Yeah. And, and you think like right now with AEW, when I think of like, <clears throat> when I tune in to watch, cause I watch, um, what are the compelling storylines right now? It's Cody and it's orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Yeah. You know, Moxley's not even in the discussion. <laughs> so, 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 you know, obviously you want your world championship to be the pinnacle, but, the writing and creative has, has, has created a situation in which right now the most compelling story is that TNT title. So I think Cody's on to something, you know, I mean, who am I to disagree with him? I'm just a Mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm with you. I, I did enjoy on AEW this past week, uh, the MJF stuff a little bit. Like I think MJF's a, uh, a compelling heel and stuff, but I get exactly what you mean. Um, right now, the stuff that's getting the most traction it's the TNT title and it's that orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho feud. Um, so a hundred percent agree with you there. Um, all right. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for that part of the news. We'll get into something a little bit different. What did you decide on? Do we talk about the big rumor out there floating around? What do you think? We take well, a vote? I, I'd like to, before we, before we get into um, some more of that, I want to hit on uh, um, King Shane Williams for a second, if, I, if you don't mind. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, King Shane Williams. Th this this week we're going to release a lot of NWA-related content, um, and featured in that uh, in that is going to be a, a guy named King Shane Williams, who is one of the bright lights in one of the most vibrant wrestling regions in the world. Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Georgia. This is a guy who's been the AWF champion. He's been the AML champion. He is he's held every major regional championship. He is the official heir, like acknowledged heir, acknowledged by King Jerry Lawler himself as the new king of professional wrestling. On Wednesday, I'm hoping if I can get permission, we're going to release a match between King Shane Williams and Josephus. And Thursday we're going to release a match and we already have permission. So it's going to happen. Uh, we're going to release a match between um, King Shane Williams and our real world champion, Nick Aldis, uh, which was the final match. The, the main event of WrestleCade weekend, uh, December 1st, 2019 AML the day after. Um, and then uh, Friday, he is our featured guest on Piper's notes. 
But uh, King Shane Williams, man, this this is a guy. If, you, if if you've not seen this, he he has worked everybody from Matt Hardy to Jeff Hardy to Sting to everybody. I mean, this this is a this is one of the fantastic talents. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to see some of his work out there. But we've got a lot of Shane Williams NWA related content coming out this week. That's gonna be exciting. Uh, thank you, Rob, for all that you do. Uh, he's such an such an asset to this show, but no, it is seriously cool. I love having this this fun stuff coming in that's like a little off the beaten path, um, and uh, it's gonna be gonna be kind of interesting. Um, so I think the consensus is being we should hit on the rumors. Um, Will, unless you have any objection, Stenson, unless you have any objection. No, nobody does. But before we get there, before we get to the rumors, you got to stay tuned because there is a big news coming out of major a major pro wrestling surprise, I guess, coming up. Before you get there, make sure you hit subscribe. Make sure you give us five stars on iTunes, all of that stuff. But also, I'm going to do this quick thing that we do each week. Guys, if you haven't already, you need to check out the Title Match Network because coming up on Friday, September the 18th, Mission Pro Wrestling, Thunder Rosa, our NWA Women's Champion, the holder of the Burke. She, along with some of her peers, have created Mission Pro Wrestling, which is an all-female-run wrestling entity, and it's going to be huge. And they're putting on their very first show ever. It's called Hell Hath No Fury. Besides matches like Maddie Rinkowski versus Baby D, Alex Garcia versus Avery Taylor, Roxy versus Jenna Van Muscles, you got Vert Vixen and Jenna Lynn versus Promise Braxton and Killa Kate. You got Elena Black versus Rachelle Rose. La Rosa Negra is taking on All Elite Wrestling's Big Swole. This card is going to be huge, but that's just that's just part of the card because the main event of this thing is your NWA. Women's Championship is on the line as Thunder Rosa defends against the American Kaiju, Lindsay Snow. I dare say this could be one of Thunder Rosa's greatest challenges yet. Lindsay Snow is no pushover. Go to her Twitter right now. Look at the pinned tweet. It's when somebody tried to take liberties with her in the ring, and she whips that ass. These two women have MMA, BJJ backgrounds. Like, they are tough competitors inside and outside of the ring. This match is going to be epic. You have to check this thing out. It's Friday, September 18th. It is uh, bell times at 7.30. You can go to missionprowrestling.net to check out uh, more information about that. They've got merch already and everything. You can support these folks and uh, give these ladies a look because this is going to be awesome. And again, on the Title Match Network, you'll be able to watch it if you can't go there live. But there are tickets. There can be fans. You can go there. You got to wear a mask but that's just for your safety and ours. But check it out. Hell Hath No Fury, Friday, September 18th, 2020. Thunder Rosa versus the American Kaiju, Lindsay Snow. I just have to do that each week at least once because I'm pumped about that still. Like, I'm, I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. Oh, I'm pumped. <laughs> All right. So moving on, here's the deal. We'll just get, let's just get right into the meat of this thing. If you've been, unless you've been under a rock, there's been a rumor floating around somebody, AEW this past week, they, they, they did one live show and taped another and uh, they allowed some fans in the building uh, because of that, as you might expect. And these were like special circumstances. You, you had to go through some 
uh, jump through some hoops to get to be able to be in the building and masks were clearly enforced just before anybody asked. But uh, that also involved leaks now from uh, from the show. And one of those leaks is that uh, we, as you've been seeing, if you've been watching AEW, Hikaru Shida has been uh, throwing that uh, AEW Women's Championship around and willing to take on all comers. And it appears that if you tune in this Saturday on AEW, you might see who is willing to step up and challenge Hikaru Shida for that Women's Championship. And it is that is the real Women's Champion, La Mera Mera, Thunder Rosa. Guys, that's that's a rumor. Nothing confirmed. Although Brian Cervantes is in the chat and he seems very adamant about maybe this is a good week to watch AEW. We'll throw that out there. Uh, but yeah, oh, I, I meant to give a spoiler alert beforehand, but I didn't do it. So I failed. So sorry. So sorry. It's exciting either way. I personally was not disappointed that I heard this because I was like, now I know I definitely have to make sure I'm watching. So uh, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about this? This could be it. This is the shots fired. A, Thunder Rosa challenging Hikaru Shida. That would be an awesome matchup. But also, this is a crossover. Worlds collide. Our NWA is uh, crossing into the AEW. What's what's going on here? What do you guys feel? Two things. One, first of all, Dr. Red, Tyler, my man, my brother, my homie, check your, uh, check your private messages real quick. Point two, um, I'm for it. I mean, if it happens, I, obviously we don't know, but if it happens, I've always argued that the NWA is not a promotion. It's a meta promotion. It is the one ring that rules them all. The AWA has a world's champion. The WWE has the NXT title, the Raw title, the SmackDown title, whatever. But the real world's champion is the one who holds either the 10 pounds of gold or the Burke. And so I would completely su- support Thunder Rosa, La Mera Mera, showing up on AEW and taking that AEW woman's title um, and adding it to her collection, her vastly uh, increasing collection. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And if you watched the uh, the Friday hot tag with J. Cal and myself on on uh, this past Friday, we talk about the potential crossover. We don't talk specifically about this rumor um, because you know it's not confirmed yet until until we see it happen. But, you know, we are of the the belief that the crossover benefits everyone, um, that it brings more eyeballs to AEW. It, uh, you know, helps uh, elevate the NWA. I I just, you know, there's a lot of of skepticism about how it's going to be executed from a booking standpoint, right? I think that's a lot of people's concern. But I just really feel like the AEW are smart enough, and maybe this is naive of me, and I hope to God I'm not wrong, but I think they're smart enough to book it in a way that enhances both promotions. Um, I personally, uh, despite the grumblings, I don't think, uh, and I'm not basing this on anything, I haven't talked to her or uh, or anyone, but I, I don't think Thunder is um, looking to leave the NWA. I think she's been very supportive. She's a great friend of this show. Um and, you know, we know obviously what's happened with Ricky Starks and with Eddie Kingston, but that was decisions that those guys made and they weren't under contract and that's fine. Um, and they're doing what's best for them. But I, I just, I don't see this as a threat, I guess. I just want to go ahead and say that because it seems like that people are, they're saying, oh, okay, now they're going to steal 
her and they're just going to keep stealing. I don't see it that way. Uh, I'm hopeful that it's going to be, um, you know, something that's going to elevate both brands and just make pro wrestling as a whole better. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it if, if that's what's going to happen. Uh, at the same time, I mean, Gary, I don't know if you just mentioned this, but I mean, there were some reports that came out that said that that, that spoiler was BS and that it didn't come from a reliable source. It came from some hack on Reddit, which is which is totally because there were some other things in that spoiler that were pretty big as well that are being called into question. And so there's some inconsistencies and things like that. So, you know, at this point, just to be clear, this is just speculation. This is just what we've read on the internet, which if you go back to our previous conversation, it's a one source on Reddit, anonymous, you know, we're not, nobody's been vetted. Like we don't know. And I think this guy said that he had friends that went, he himself was not there. So it's like, again, again, it's like a, it's like a, he said that they said, that this person's reporting, you know, so, you know, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen and that's not true. I'm just saying you got to take it all with a grain of salt, but, but talking about the crossover, um, I think it could be good for everyone and people will disagree with me and that's fine. Yeah. yeah it's okay to, Oh, go ahead, go ahead, bro. well, I was just going to say, it's okay to have different opinions on that sort of thing. And yeah. And obviously if this turns out to be true, yeah, we're going to treat it as speculation right now. We don't know anything. We're just acknowledging that there is the rumor out there. Um, but like Will said, uh, some have disputed it. Um, if it's true, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss it and get into the details and the logistics and what we think could happen and how that's going to play out. Uh, I, I will say I can't imagine um, that uh, – that a deal would happen between the two of them if both of them weren't feeling very good about it. So you got to give a little credit there that uh, we know that Thunder is an NWA competitor. Thunder still today and yesterday tweets with hashtag NWA fam. And Thunder still is an NWA superstar or wrestler as far as anything we know. So for her to appear on another show, there has to be something being formulated, something in the works. And I can't imagine that Thunder or William Patrick Corgan are going to be making any deals that are going to devalue them or devalue their championship. Thunder treats that title. We're going to get into this a little bit more, which I was excited to hear our champ talk about this exact same thing. Our world champion, Nick Aldis, Thunder treats that belt like it's a full-time job and it is a big deal that she carries that title. She is not walking into a situation where anything is going to lessen that, not that she feels. So I can guarantee you that if that's the case, have a little faith. I guarantee you there there's negotiations involved in a process like this. Yeah. And and I don't think, I, I guess it seems like generally speaking, and this is a, this is a paradigm. I hate the word paradigm, but this is a paradigm that we have to get over. We're all, all of us here and everybody in the chat, we, we operate under this assumption that when somebody signs to AEW, that means that the NWA is done for them. And I don't believe that. I don't think that the AWA has that mindset. I don't think the NWA has that mindset. Maybe, I mean, WWE, that, that's, that's what's established that paradigm. But we're not talking about the WWE here. The fact that Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston went to AEW does not mean that they're not ever going to contend for an NWA championship. We're never going to be an NWA anymore. Just a half of the AEW roster were on NWA 70. There's a kinship there. There's a relationship. This is uh, the AEW model 
whether you like their product. And I know, uh, I know my man James Lawrence doesn't like uh, AEW, but whether you like it or not, you have to admit that James that the AEW has operated under under a cooperation mindset from the very inception with All In. That was sort of the wellspring that birthed AEW. Um, I think there there is room there in their mindset. These guys, the Young Bucks and Cody and and Chris Jericho, they want to promote good wrestling. And I think they all understand the importance of the NWA. So to me, if, if Thunder Rosa were to show up, and again, we don't know that that's going to happen. This is purely speculation. If she did, though, I would not be afraid that suddenly we've lost the talent to AEW. To me, it just enhances the NWA. And, and uh, there's, there's enough room in wrestling to promote both brands for – our town to show up there and for, and, and likewise for theirs to show up on ours. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the ring of honor, a uh, NWA thing where, you know, uh, you've got Brody King and, uh, uh, and uh, Marty Skrull showing up out of the blue. That didn't mean that, Oh, therefore that the NWA stole ring of honor talent. They, there's cooperation there. They're, they're, well, well, and I keep seeing Rob, like discussion about like stealing talent and that sort of thing. And, and listen, I, we're NWA marks here. That's what we're doing. It's right here. We love NWA. But the fact is, it's like Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston were not under contract with the NWA at the time. Ricky Starks had tried to make a, a deal. It was not to his liking. AEW made a better deal. Uh, so that, and it was after the fact. So Ricky Starks chose not to be under contract because he wanted to see what he was worth to someone else. He wanted to see what his options were. Eddie Kingston was never under contract. He is an independent wrestling uh, entity. Like he is, he is his own man. He was doing his own thing. I love, I would love for Eddie Kingston to still be challenging Nick Aldis right now in an NWA ring for the world's heavyweight championship. I want that to happen. I hope it still happens someday, but that's not AEW stealing Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston had to make a deal for himself. Like he had to think about himself. And if NWA wasn't going to offer that contract, well, dude, that's that's NWA through history, man. People come and they go territories. That's that's the way it works. People yeah, outs in and out. That's that's I'll, part I'll of say, life. I'll but, say this too. You know, we had the privilege of of you know uh, being on a, a Zoom chat with William Patrick Corgan a few weeks back couple of weeks ago and and i know uh second row and and some other people in the chat were probably involved in that but what i took away from that was that he's not he doesn't have the same mindset that vince mcmahon has about hoarding talent he is very much open-handed with the fact that the nwa was created to be a place where talented um wrestlers professional wrestlers could come in make a name for themselves and if they leave then that's their prerogative nobody's feelings are hurt uh, nobody's doing anyone else dirty. He's trying to create the the wrestling promotion that is giving us what we want as as traditional pro wrestling fans, and he's doing it. And so you can't do that. And we talked about this, I think, last week, one of the shows last week, but we talked about the hoarding talent thing and just the mentality of this like defensive, like, give me all the talent and we're going to hold on to them so that nobody else can get them. William Patrick Corgan doesn't have that mindset. He's about building the brand and it's not going to be on the back of one or two talented people. It's going to be as a promotion. And yes, there's Nick Aldis and there's Thunder Rosa. And right now they're the two top champions in the NWA, but the NWA is not just those two people and it never will be. 
And yes, there's going to be people that rise to the top and there's going to be people that become kind of franchise players in the long run for this modern iteration of the NWA, but they're not trying to like build up a stacked roster. They're going to get themselves over and have the NWA have gotten over to fans like us because of, of their creative storytelling, because of them allowing guys to come in and girls and be themselves and get themselves over. We talk about that all the time. And so, you know, I just want to challenge everyone. And this is my perspective. Again, everyone's free to disagree, but let's be NWA fans. Let's be hashtag NWA fam that are, are confident in our brand that we are, are, are not buying into rumors that anybody's going under because we've heard it straight from our president that that's not happening. Um, and, and let's be uh, fans that believe that the NWA can continue no matter who's on the talent roster, no matter who's there, because we believe in the direction of this wrestling promotion. So, you know, in terms of a crossover, I mean, whatever happens is going to happen, but I can tell you, you know, Thunder Rosa is a, a good friend of this show. She's been on this show maybe more than anyone else on these live shows and has graced us with her presence and, and has been very open and honest with us. She loves the NWA and I don't, it's not something she takes lightly. And so I, I would much rather, if this is something that's going to happen, if the spoilers are true and she's going to show up on AEW, I would just love to watch it as a wrestling fan instead of like, uh, 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 an insecure NWA fan. Does that make sense? Like we don't, need to, we don't need to be insecure. This is a pro- wrestling promotion that's been around longer than any other wrestling promotion in history. And, you know, we have no reason to be insecure about it. And so I just want to enjoy it as a wrestling fan. And I just want to challenge everybody else to have that mindset. Again, you disagree with me. That's fine. We're not here to like push an opinion on anybody, but I'm, that, that's kind of my plea is that let's just enjoy the wrestling. Let's not worry about talent poaching and things like that. And let's just see what happens, you know? Well, well I'm with you, Will. And, um, and I, I just want to add too, like part of what I feel about it is I, I listen, I get it. WWE hurts you, man. WWE broke you and, and we're all abused wrestling fans because of the way the wrestling world has been over the last little while. But I would ask also that you just have a little faith. Like, just have a little faith in, in the process. And I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you, like, if, if, if I had to pick two people right now, if you gun to head, I had to pick two people that NWA better bust their ass to keep at all costs. Like, they are worth what it takes to keep them. It's Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa. Like, yeah. they, that, that's who you got to hold on to. And if you, if you look at Thunder Rosa in any spot ever, like in any – interview in any wrestling event she's ever been to if you look at mission pro wrestling right now if you look at her twitter account her instagram account and you don't think that this lady takes her life and her career very very seriously then i I can't help you because there there might not be another wrestler right now working that works harder than her at promoting her brand and her abilities and making sure you know who she is, where she's at. She's the champ. Like all of that stuff. Like she and all this are like neck and neck in that for the NWA too. And that's, that's what you got to have. That is your base. That, that is your base to make a solid company. So I'm with you. I don't want to see her go anywhere else either. Well, and the thing to remember about that is that she carries that NWA banner wherever she goes. And for her to appear on national television on another promotion 
gives more exposure to the NWA. So, well, and that, and that's what I was getting at too, is because I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, have a little faith. Thunder Rosa, a woman who takes herself that seriously. And I, and I mean that in, in the best way possible, who takes herself and what she does seriously. She is carrying that title with prestige and honor. She is not about to make some deal to just go do a job to somebody just for the hell of it. And it not mean anything. Right. She is doing, she, she is not doing something without a solid plan that she thinks it will also benefit her and the brand as well. If you're, if, if anybody out there is taking the entity that is the NWA and trying to draw an, al an analogy between it and the WWE. And I, if Jake Cow were here today, he would tell you the same thing that I'm about to tell you. Then you don't understand the nature of the NWA. You don't understand it. Right now, this very day, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship is hanging in the headquarters of the WWE because they venerate that belt. They venerate it. Um, Thunder Rosa is going to be defending that title on September the 18th in a non-NWA environment. That's what the NWA is. That's what it always has been. The landscape right now is much more like the territory days than it's ever been since 91, 92. And uh, if you think that because someone goes to AEW that suddenly they've left the, the NWA or that now that, that that's over with, then you just don't understand the NWA. Then you're, you're, you, you've got a paradigm blockage or a, con a conceptual problem in your understanding of the way the NWA looks and perceives wrestling. Uh, the AEWA has a champion. The WWE has a champion. Ring of Honor has a champion. Impact has a champion. But the one, the only one true lineal champion is Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa. He is the lineal champion, which overarches all of the other promotions. And they all acknowledge that. So don't think that if uh, Thunder Rosa shows up on AEW to challenge Sheeta for her less than important championship, that somehow now she's not NWA anymore. She's only elevating the brand. NWA hasn't lost anything. I, I, I don't feel like that that's even lessening anything. I mean, that title is out there, dude. It's, right. it's a person out there saying that she's the world's heavyweight champion. Why wouldn't Thunder Rosa have the, pardon the word, lack right. of better words, but why wouldn't she have the cojones to be like, like this chick's out here saying she's top dog and she's the champion. I'm going to come take it from her. I'm going to show her who the champion is. And uh, I mean, that seems perfectly valid to me. I don't yep. feel like that that's such a reach that it's like, there's an open challenge and you're really going to put it out there. knowing I'm out here. You don't think I'm going to come take it. Then. I mean, that's just Thunder Rosa out to prove that she is the champ. And this is another example too, of us viewing every promotion through the lens of WWE. WWE has conditioned us that in order to be a successful wrestling promotion, you got to have all these people locked down and exclusive contracts. You got to have big celebrities and big stars. You got to get Rob Gronkowski. Well, we see how that panned out. You got to get all these people and you got to have celebrities and you got to have all this kind of stuff. No, the NWA has a completely different mindset and we've talked about it. We talk about it all the time and, and Nick Aldis talks about it and, and William Patrick Corgan has talked about it. They go for the prize fight feel. You don't have to have a thousand big name celebrities locked down to exclusive contracts. If anything, that's a poor business decision. The NWA, and this is not disparaging to the NWA because they'll tell you this, they don't have WWE or AEW money. It's not smart business-wise for them to just start throwing big money contracts at people just because they're scared that they're not going to be successful if they don't. 
I think that they know that they can still be successful without that. Cause as you said, Rob, that's the fundamental way that, that the NWA has been built throughout all time. It's not on these, you know, on these like giant celebrity superstars it's on having this organic talent come in, get themselves over and create compelling storylines that we get bought into this prize fight feel. So, you know, again, you know, not to beat a dead horse and, and we can move on, but like, I just, I just want to challenge everyone to not think of the NWA through the lens of WWE. It's not about who you've got under contract. It's not about being scared if someone goes somewhere else, because we believe that if someone does go somewhere else, someone else is going to pop up in their place. I've compared it before to the 1990, uh, the 1990s Atlanta Braves and Rob, you'll, you'll appreciate that reference too, as a Braves fan, they didn't want to go out and, and get Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and, and all these guys, like the big money, big hitter guys, they chose to bring guys up in their farm system. And they had one of the most successful teams for a couple of decades. And that was, that was why I think the NWA has the same approach. And, you know, I bet Braves fans at the time might've been saying the same things that some of, some of the NWA fans are, why don't you go get this person? Why don't you go get this person? Oh, don't let this person go. They're a big name and stuff like that. But the results in the long run speak for themselves. And that's where I'm choosing to put my faith is those long-term results. Yeah. I I just really feel like it's, it's like you're saying it's, it's, it's built in defeatist. This defeatist mentality comes from like just what WWE has made the wrestling industry mean. Um, You can, you can say all you want about AEW. I just don't feel like we've experienced them making those same kind of bad deals. Um, right. I, I, I just don't, I think they deserve a chance. I know not everybody's going to agree with that, but there there's a possibility here. This is actually going to play out like the fans would want it to play out. And, um, and so far they've acted in good faith, you know I mean? And we might, we are old school guys. We're prize fight guys. We don't like all the, the carnival stuff that AEW does, and and but there's a lot of good stuff that they do do. You know what I mean? But they they are not the same as the WWE. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, the WWE came to me today and said, "Hey, Stinson, you know we need you to bring your act on our show. Forget about the bearded trio. We want the bearded solo, two point three million." I was like, "Bruh, I'm in." <laughs> you know, but the WWE's not doing that. They're not handing out. They're releasing people. They're not handing out these million dollar contracts. And there are a million talented professional wrestlers out there that the WWE could theoretically scoop from. So, James Lawrence, I see what you're saying. I understand that you know the NWA and that you know that money talks. But the AEW and the WWE are not the same. They don't have the same marketing mindset. They don't have the same exclusivism. Uh, the AEW is not – and it is not – they're not like the WWE. They don't ignore the rest of the wrestling landscape. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and, and 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 they do. I mean, yeah, they've got talent that they lock down to, like they can't appear on other TV shows. I saw that mentioned by someone earlier, but but like John Moxley still has the uh, United States title in New Japan. Like yeah. he's still there. Like he can still go over there, and it makes sense that he can't show up on WWE. NWA has that same lockdown. You seeing. If you see Thunder Rosa on AEW, that's because a special deal was worked out. She was not supposed to do that beforehand. There, there has been discussion and planning. So it's it's uh, 
I don't know. Now I see James Lawrence going after the Braves in the chat. So it's just about to, all hell's about to break loose. So I, don't, I don't think we got to move on. Oh <laughs> uh, anyway, this is fun though, guys. I like, I like uh, hearty discussions such as these. Um, we'll move on and we can, we can always come back to this. Of course, it's, it's going to come up again in just a few minutes anyway, technically, because uh, the other thing that happened uh, that we wanted to cover in uh, the last bit as, as far as wrestling news goes, um, we did get an interview over on that nineties wrestling podcast uh, with the NWA world heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis, a career shoot interview. They called it. Uh, I did sit down and listen to this uh, and uh, took some notes and thought we'd run through them here. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys both had a chance to listen to it all the way or not, but uh uh, it was a good, it was a good interview, solid, like two hours long with, with the champ. Uh, only one I can think of that competes with it is probably mine. But uh, anyway, uh, that, that was a joke and Will, I we can't crack Will anymore. Um, <laughs> the, uh, anyway, so, uh, so it was, a, it was a solid interview and it, it had a lot of the, the standard stuff. So if you're not familiar with the career of Nick Aldis, they do do like the march through Aldis's career, basically like where'd you start? How'd you get there? That kind of stuff. But there are some really cool uh, moments in there, like stories that I had not heard before uh, from the champ. And we've had a good opportunity to talk to the guy multiple times. And I'm always happy to hear like little stories that I think are cool that we don't even know yet. Um, and like you guys may not have heard. Um, but uh, to, to start with, uh, they do talk a lot about, uh, being out in the situation they're at with the NWA, not having TV and that sort of thing. And uh, one of the highlights I thought was uh, he really uh, puts himself over. Uh, well, he, he puts him, he casually mentions that he carries the NWA like the world's champion. He believes in the brand and he puts his heart into it. But the guy mentions he had Thunder Rosa on and he really puts over Thunder Rosa. Uh, and, uh, and Allison Kay, uh, to her credit too like he does say that uh but but he talks a lot about how thunder rosa is like uh, that he feels like what we were just saying along with him there's nobody uh else that is more of a team player and carrying the torch for the nwa than thunder rosa like that she is out there just putting in the work and uh he said you know that was one of the things we we try to establish like that if we're going to build this brand, if it's going to matter, you got to treat it like a full-time job. That championship is a full-time job. It's not like I show up to TV and I act like a champion for a little while. Like it's constant, Like you always got to be putting it over. And uh, he said, he's really happy with what he sees that like, that's something he believed and wanted to help build the brand. And it's cool to see people like Thunder Rosa out there right now doing that exact same thing. And uh, talking about Allison K also, trying to push it that she tried to do it while she had it. And now she's passed it up under her. So anyway, just a, really cool to see the champ acknowledge those two, those two women out there. I thought. This interview is so good. Um, it's one of the better. I, I, there, there are two really, three really, really, really great Nick Aldis interviews you need to listen to. Four. There are four. <laughs> there is the, the Gary Horn one. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> the Chris and Leak interview. And there's this one, and the greatest of them all, of course, is Piper's Nose episode. It's the greatest of them mm. all, but, but this one is particularly good because uh, it, it more so than in any other interview, he gets into the British tradition 
and uh, uh, Doug Williams and, and, and some of that, uh, him, him tagging with him and, and, um, and some of the other things. I mean, he, he goes really, really deep into some of the, the very salient points of his impact days and all that more so than others. Uh, but the, the, the part of this interview that really resonated with me was him talking about Rocky and how he said, he said, wrestling should be like Rocky. You know, it should be built around the prize fight and the champion should be Apollo Creed. And that has, and the reason I like that is because we have literally been saying that for since February. And <laughs> we have said that on virtually every show. Well, so, folks, you'll learn that most of the things these folks say anymore, we've generally said already. They're just probably copying us. But no, to Rob's point, uh, absolutely. One of my favorite parts of the interview and where, where he's getting that from is uh, he's actually in a discussion about Harley Race. And mm -hmm. uh, the guy mentions Harley and he, he talks a little bit about him. And, and Harley, like a lot of us, I think, um, especially for folks our age, or at least my age and younger, I would imagine you've known Harley first as Vader's manager. That's where I knew Harley from the first time I ever saw Harley. I knew, and Nick Aldis kind of establishes that here too, that he knew him as a guy that people respected. He was a, an older wrestler that people liked a lot, but he didn't know anything about him. Uh, but he's had a chance now to get to know the man and, uh, you know, he was lucky enough to learn a lot from him. And uh, it was cool. He said, though, that his favorite part about Harley, that one thing people get caught up in with Harley is that he's tough. He's just like a badass, tough guy. And he's like, that's cool. He obviously has that rep because it's accurate. He is one of the toughest guys. He's a man's man. But uh, more than that, he's learned now about Harley, that he's the perennial champ. And it's something that he wanted to model himself after. Harley is very generous uh, in his ability. And he's skilled. He knows what's going on. But he, he creates and builds himself up as the adversary, which is what Nick tries to go for now, which I thought was interesting. He says that it's like Rocky that him, Ric Flair, Harley Race, Triple H, he mentions, they're Apollo. That's what they want to be. They want to, the world champ, he said, another way he put it was, we're, we're supposed to be the final boss, like in, in a video game, if you're playing it. Um, he's like, Harley had that down. Um, he was a great storyteller, very skilled and generous that he would take care of his own reputation so much so to the point because it would let him have the moment that when there was the guy, when there was the next guy that he could turn that person into Superman. Like he could make that person special because now they're getting the better of Harley race and he's supposed to be the best in the business. And, uh, and it was just interesting to see Nick talk a lot about that, that that's exactly what he wanted to model himself after. And uh, I thought that was cool. And you could totally see that now in his work, but yeah, he mentions the, the, the you get Rocky because there's an Apollo. Um, he also, he talks a lot about the Knight family, um, growing up with them. That's Paige's family for those that don't know, like where he originally got his, uh, start. Um, but, uh, Oh, back to Harley really quick in that it leads to a moment. He said that one of the things about the Knight family, he was getting into this conversation about how, um, they never let him know how well they liked him. They obviously think a lot of him now and they've brought him back in to help, you know, headline a card or two or whatever. But, they, he said, but you know, maybe that's a good thing. They don't tell you how much they like you. He's like, he was even that way with Harley. When I was there at the school, 
I was like, man, I think I'm pretty good, but Harley doesn't sell it. Like Harley doesn't seem interested. He said the first time he knew that Harley race liked him was because Mike Rotunda was visiting the school. And he said that Harley actually came and pulled Nick aside to personally coach him about exactly how to approach Mike Rotunda, shake his hand, what to say, the exact words, like you need, I'm going to teach you how to get over with this guy. Like, and uh, he was like, it was that point I realized like, oh, he sees something in me. Like he wants me to nail this next part. And, uh, and I thought that was kind of a cool story. They do talk about gladiators a lot. Um, one thing I didn't know, uh, like, so for one of the uh, interesting parts I did not realize about them is he talks about that TNA time. And uh, we talked about the British invasion. We've, we've gone into it some here and stuff. But uh, he, I, I never realized that Bubba and Devon were uh, such big influences in his life or that, um, you know, that they liked having him around. He and, um, uh, God help me the name doug williams um that uh he and doug williams they liked having them because they were the uh the very over heel team and bubba and devon loved working with them and that bubba w- was actually sending nick to their school in the off days and like to learn even more to help him get because he was still a little green and so they were helping him build his skill and even more so he credits bubba and devon as uh, being a big part of his career as well. Uh, that's, that's definitely one of the cool parts about this um, interview is you, he, he's, it's a lot of Nick reminiscing and giving credit to the people that helped him along the way. And I, I did enjoy that part of it. Had you, had you heard about his friendship with uh, Kevin Nash? Cause that, that, no. that I mean, I knew he knew him, but, but yeah, it was interesting. Cause they, he talked like they were very, very, they are very close. Yeah. He says uh, Nash was the first quote unquote, huge superstar that he became close with. Um, and uh, he said he would, he would, he would spend a lot of time. He, he does those things that like you always hear about, like, obviously you hear about like Triple H and stuff because of all the documentaries and stuff, but that like Triple H, when he came in, he was very adamant about trying to get an airplane seat next to Ricky Steamboat because he wanted to ask him all the questions. He wanted to talk to every legend he could and learn something. And you get that same kind of vibe from Aldis because he says that like once he and Nash like hooked up, it was like, now I'm going to hang out with Nash every chance I get. And we're going to try to drink each other under the table. And it's just so I can hear stories from Kevin Nash and like learn about his thoughts on the business, what it means, what, what, why do this, what's this and all of that. Um, he does describe a story because the guy asked him about his relationship with Hulk Hogan, um, which it sounds like there wasn't much of one, but he got some cool stories from Nash, who was close with Hogan. Um, and uh, he, he tells a, a story about Kevin Nash saying that he's walked through airports with Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin, who are the two biggest names, in his opinion, in the business. Like maybe you throw in The Rock, but he's kind of transcended. So like in the business, Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin are the men. And he said, and it's crazy for both. He's like, but man, I'll tell you, if you walk into an airport with Hulk Hogan, it is like Mickey Mouse is in a building. And he's like, it is just a different thing. He's like, it's a cartoon character who's come to life. And he's like, and people just go nuts. He's like, I've never seen anything like it. And uh, I just thought that was a interesting story about Hogan. I like the uh, the discussion. There, there's some really like, 
you guys got to listen to this interview. It's like I said, it, it's two hours. You're going to have to etch out some time, but it's it's very good. And I'd never I'd never listened to a nine this uh, '90s wrestling podcast. I'd never heard it. I actually liked him and subscribed to his podcast after this. But uh, there's some very really endearing questions at the end, and he talks about uh, he asks Nick about uh, like who his best drinking buddies are. And he's like, you know, the guy's like suggesting that Tom Latimer might be one of them. And Nick goes in and says, no, you know, Tom Latimer's not. And he's not because he's got his, you know, he can't. Tom Latimer. Calls him like, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, he's Jekyll and Hyde. He's a great guy, but that's not, it doesn't work for him. And Tom, and Tom has made a conscientious decision to, to leave that apart. But he says, you know, me and who was it? He said, me and uh, James, James Storm. Storm. He's like, we, uh, we tear it up in multiple countries. Wherever we go, we, we lay it down. And it, it's just, it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, um, my favorite part though is is just the love he has for Sting, like just the uh, the real story about like that that in TNA even when he wasn't sure what he was doing, that Sting was the guy walking around all in the back, just like what's with this guy? What are we doing with that guy? Like who's using it? Where's he going? And he describes um, going. Um, being getting ready to get on a plane and checking his agenda for like the next taping of TNA and seeing that like uh, Doug Williams and Rob Terrier booked as the British invasion against like the Dudleys or something. Uh, um, he describes that he get, he felt really hurt. Like his heart was broken. Like he was like, now they've just booked me out of this thing. And he said he got really depressed, but, Thank God he scrolled to the bottom of the email because in the main event, it was Sting versus Magnus. And he was like, what? What? Yeah. And he said he was so nervous. Like he talks about being nervous about it and going and he tells it's just a funny story, man. Just like he talks about going there and he's like, I don't even know. He's like, I go up to Sting and I'm like, so what do you want to do? I'm so sorry. I don't even know how to approach you about any of this. I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> and and uh, he said that Sting like talks to him and it's like, hey man, well, you've seen what I do and blah, blah, blah. And they work it out. And uh, he said that they decide to have a Sting and Flair match. That essentially that's what they're going for. That Nick Aldis is going to play Ric Flair badly. <laughs> and uh, But he knows those matches. And he's like, we could do that. Let's let's he's like, I, I want to do that with you. Let's get you over as the sting of old. Like, let's do this thing. And he's like, uh, he said that even Cordette comes in and he's like booking, I think at the time or whatever, and sits down. He said, you can tell that Cordette's just like, why is this guy against sting in the main event? And uh, he said that Cordette literally sits down with him. He's like, all right, kid, keep your ears open, your mouth shut. And maybe we can get through this with very few fuck ups. <laughs> and he said that Stig actually told off Cordette, like in a nice way, but like pointed to Jim was like, Hey man, actually Nick's got an idea. I think we're rolling with it. So we're going to do what Magnus wants to do tonight. He said that Cordette just like backed off and was like, okay, man. And like left. He's like, you can tell he was thinking like your funeral buddy. And he's like, and to be fair, he's like, I had dropped the ball a few times, but I was in matches. I wasn't familiar with that were really spot heavy and, that sort of thing. He's like, he's like, but I, I shit the bed. I was green. He's like, I had, so he's like, I could tell Cornette didn't know what to think, but he describes, uh, 
going into the match and they have the match, the crowd pops and they get to the back. And he said, Cornette's the first guy that comes up to him. And they're just like, what the hell, man? Where the hell was all of that shit? And he's like, he's like, who are you? <laughs> and he's a like, Dutch Mantel's coming up to him. And it's like, you got it, kid. That's the way to go. And yeah. uh, he said that that was when he knew, like he was getting it. And like that, uh, that even that at that point, Kev, that's where he met Kevin Nash. Really. It's like Kevin Nash came up to him and was like, shit, man, I saw that match with Sting. You know what's up? You're with me from now on. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and was, uh, I just thought that those are all like fun stories, man. I, I really dug that stuff. I'd never heard any of that. They're great. And, and you know, if you, if you listen to like Sting shoot interviews or uh, other people that have been close and, and have worked in Sting's circle, there, there's always been a certain level of professionalism that, that Sting has had. And I think that sort of resonates with, uh, with all this too. I know uh, there are several independent wrestlers that have come through that have worked in impact that have talked about, Hey, you know, when, when all this is backstage, he's straight down the line, man. He doesn't tolerate seeing like beer cans sticking around. He'll, he will tell you if you, if that's the way you're going to be, you're not going to work on a show with me anymore. I mean, they, they, they had that same common level of professionalism. And then it really went to a different level with sting when he became a, when he, and I'm not trying to get into a theological talk here, but when, when sting became a Christian, his, uh, you know, and his priorities sort of changed and became much more business and family oriented. It really went to a different level, but, but for people and, and many, all of you guys that are in the chat are going to know this. And so this is more for people that are listening. This is what sets the stage for, for Nick Alvis to eventually being one of the four or five. I think we, we did this, this count earlier on a show a few months ago, but there's only been a couple of people that ever like submit sting ever. You know, and one of them happens to be Nick Aldis, and and Sting did that for Aldis because of uh, of his respect for for his work ethic and his professionalism, and that was really engendered right here. So, when he comes up again a little bit later, because he's actually talking about uh, 2013, he said, you know, he's like, I don't think I've really discussed this too much, but in 2013, WWE almost happened. He was like, uh, I was in discussions to to do the match. And I remember him telling me this one little part from our interview, but he talks about um, Scott Demore uh, was trying to negotiate with him, get a deal, make it happen and get all this back in uh, to, to, to settle in. And uh, he said that he was having dinner with one of the WWE guys. And he said that one of the things that kind of helped seal it is he was working a program with AJ Styles and he was talking to the WWE guy at the time and the guy said something about AJ and Nick said, Oh yeah. AJ styles is like the best wrestler in the business. And the guy laughed at him and just went on. Like it was nothing. It was just like, okay. It just like went on. And he said, at that moment he was like, these guys don't give a shit about anybody. That's not WWE. Like they're, they think they're the only thing that matters. And, uh, He's like, you, you just laughed at AJ Styles being the best. And uh, he said that he was like offended for AJ, like in that moment. And uh, I thought that that was kind of interesting, but, uh, but that he got to work with AJ in St. Louis. And it was, that was like the first main event moment. I believe he was kind of describing that it just went perfectly. He talked, he puts over Jeff Jarrett here, Taz and Mike Tanay and AJ, just like making him look like a million bucks in the match. Jarrett produced the match and he talks about like AJ went over in that match, but he felt like it was one of his best matches ever. And he rolls out of the ring and Jarrett had set this up that he has this moment of like looking out at the crowd, like sitting on the ring apron. And he says that Taz and Tanae just like call it perfectly. 
like look at this kid look at what he just did with aj styles and like he said the commentary in that moment and the setup that jared had produced he was like and all of a sudden he was a main eventer like that that was it it was just like he's he's next he's coming up and uh i just thought that stuff was was really cool uh and for people that care, he does get into the Bruce Pritchard stuff. I'm sorry if I'm rambling too much about this interview, uh, but he uh, he does get into the Bruce Pritchard stuff. But he he straight up tells this guy the story about how uh, that Bruce looked, felt like he was slumming it in TNA. He hated being there. He was constantly talking about WWE and the way that WWE did things. And he said, "Do you?" He's like, "I get it. You're not in the position." that you want to be in, but you still need a job, dude. And you're here and you can make this something like if you have better ideas, like let's see them. And, uh, but he thought that everybody that wasn't WWE or hadn't been in WWE was a jabroni and a nobody. And he said that, um, that like Bruce just, he, he would kind of have this attitude looking down on you. And then Bruce decided to negotiate the contract with, uh, Nick Aldis, he says this was part of the tension that Bruce gave Nick Aldis a contract and it was for an amount of money. And this, he was 23 years old at the time. And he said, this is, uh, you know, this is what we're offering. And, he's, and Nick Aldis said it was the time frame because it was for three years at the time. And uh, so maybe it was 25 because he says like, he's like, really? This, you want me to sign this for like a three-year deal? And he said, Bruce Pritchard was like, yeah, this is really good money for a person your age. And he's like, yeah, for a person my age now, but when I'm 28, like, is that good money for where I should be in my career then? He's like, when you're sending me this, Bruce, you're telling me I'm only going to be worth this amount of money for three years. And if you think I'm going to be worth the same amount of money three years from now that you're offering me here, then what are we even doing? Like the, this is, you know, if you just don't think I'm going to be worth more to you, then why bother? And uh, he said he was just kind of put off on it. And Bruce wasn't really talking with him. So he went to Dixie Carter and said, uh, you know, do you think I'm just not going to be worth any more money than this in three years from now? And Dixie's like, well, what are you talking about? And he, she, he laid it out to Dixie and uh, Dixie arranged it to get Nick way more money and make a better deal. And he signed with TNA again, but um, it was interesting to me because he talks about that, that Bruce Pritchard and he says this, so this is all out there. Now he says that Bruce Pritchard called him up and said, you're just being a little freaking bitch and you're running to mama and you're making a deal over my head. And he's just like, how many interviews do I hear with you telling people that if they want to understand Vince McMahon and they want to talk to Vince McMahon, then go to Vince McMahon, get to know him, tell him your idea, stand up for yourself. And he's like, this isn't run into mama. I went to the boss. You're not the boss. I went to the person who actually is and makes decisions. And I got this deal made. He said that Bruce has always like had a problem with him since then. Um, so I just thought that was a kind of an interesting story as well. Uh, but he talks about after signing that deal that they even tried to um, pull the rug out from under him, I guess, a little bit. Like when he went into the feud with Sting and he was headed up to go to Jeff Hardy for the world title for the first time. But that they were just going to have Sting pin him in one of the matches. And that Sting, again, was the guy that stood up and said, 
we have been working together for all these years and it has been built for the moment for this kid to beat me. And I am not going to beat this kid. And like he said, Sting literally refused to lose to Nick Aldis. Um, or for, for, for Nick to lose to him. And uh, he said that uh, he said he's going over and I'm tapping tonight to him because he's going to the, a championship match. And he's like, this is, this is how it's happening. And he said that Sting had the pool to make it happen. And, and that's what happened. And uh, he said, they even walked to the back together and Sting pointed right at Dixie. And I think it was John Gaburik, he said, and, and was just like, now it's your now it's your problem to make that mean something. And, uh, and uh, anyway, I just thought it was just really cool to hear that. And that, you know, then moving on to the next part, the Jeff Hardy, like putting him over, making him look like a million bucks. And uh, anyway, I've rambled enough. If you want to jump in, Rob, I'm sorry. I just, uh, it's just, I would just encourage you. This, this is a, this is a very easy listen. I mean, it's, it, it, Gary, am I right? I mean, this goes fast. It's like two hours, but it'll it'll go fast because it's so packed, full of things, stories that we had not heard. I mean, we we I feel like I've listened to just about every interview that Nick Aldis has ever done, but there are stories in here that I'd never heard before. And uh, uh, I mean, well done to, to it's '90s Wrestling Podcast. Is that that his name? I want to put him over. Yes, the '90s Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, or Man, that well '90s Wrestling Podcast. Yeah. So, and it's uh, based out of uh, England or somewhere, I think, yeah, somewhere over there. Yeah, he, he talks about growing up like 60 miles away from where Nick did or something. Longtime fan of Drew McIntyre, and uh, you know, just uh, just this is a guy who knows his stuff and he's asking good questions and he doesn't talk over the champ. I mean, th- th- you know, you got question and then and then Nick Aldis will go on a diatribe and his answers are very fleshed out. There, he'll ask a question and Aldis will respond. And he will be very thorough. It's like a ten-minute answer for every question. So it's it's you're going to get two hours of Nick Aldis talking about everything, um, and it's just it's it's fantastic, fantastic interview. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, I, I and I apologize to anybody that I rambled uh, too too long, but um, it it is that good, and it's uh, I didn't even hit half of it. I don't think that they they get out of him, but some very cool stories, and he caught the champ on a really either the the kinmanship of their locations or he just called the champ on a good day or something, but the champs very like just eager to reminisce and to yeah. think about and put over the people in his life that meant something to him, almost like a hall of fame speech or something. He's sitting on his front porch, man. And when the interview starts, it's daylight, you know, it's like, it's like, the, you know, the sun is out it's bright. And then by the end of the interview, it's pitch dark outside. And he has been here the whole time, you know, and it was, it's a great, it's a good talk, man. I'm glad that Nick Aldis gave that young man that experience to, to get that interview because I know it meant the world to him too. But uh, that's just, you know, we've seen it in the chat. That's what our, our guys do in the NWA. Uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, Nick Aldis, uh, Josephus, they're, they're all, Tim Storm, they're all accessible people. Marty Bell, Allison K, they're very accessible. And, uh, Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa more than any others epitomize that. So, Absolutely. All right. Well, that uh, wraps it up for the major news portion of the show, I think, unless you guys have something else to add. Anything? All right. No, well, I'll, I'll just say uh, we did have a request uh, from Second Row to post the link to the, the podcast that we were just talking about. So I'm going to throw it in our Discord. We'll probably throw it in the comments of this 
after, but everybody should definitely go listen. Uh, I actually haven't, which is why I've been quiet and let these two guys talk because I've been with family all day today. But ironically, I was the one that sent the link out to you guys, but haven't had a chance to watch yet. So I'm going to do it, but we will share that link out so you guys can can check it out. Absolutely. We're a team here. That's what we do. And uh, Gary, Gary took charge of that one and wrote down literally the whole interview and just repeated it all <laughs> word for word. No, thanks for me. thanks for carrying me on that one, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of the Discord, by the way, you can find a link to the Discord in all of the comments uh, um, on these YouTube videos uh, in the descriptions. I mean, uh, I even think on our social media pages, you can find that in our link tree, that sort of thing. Make sure you join the Discord if you haven't already. It's a fun place to chat with people about wrestling in general, but especially the NWA. And uh, we, we cover everything. You put over your stuff. If you got stuff like wrestling themed stuff or whatever, just art, anything, you can put it over in there. It's fun just to have a group of a community you can hang out with. It just talks about yeah. wrestling 24 seven. We got channels about music, about other promotions. We got, we got it all in there. We got a, a NWA fam channel to talk about life and things like that. So we're just, we're just creating a community. It's a pretty lively chat, much like, the chat we got going on right now if you're if you're not joining us if you're listening on the podcast you're going to want to join in on one of these it's it's been it's been a pretty lively chat tonight so it's definitely worth uh worth checking it out live oh it got rowdy at certain points there were points in the chat where i just had to like minimize it because i'm like i'm gonna get caught up in the actual chat because like stinson's over here going back and forth with somebody about something and like hey, yo if y'all don't look at the, the youtube comments stinson stinson be getting rowdy sometimes like he <laughs> <laughs> he likes to fight well he <laughs> just well he just recently learned that you could chat right isn't that how he uh got yeah. on <laughs> piper piper's like hey you know you got this little feature here and I'm like what they got that technology <laughs> <laughs> oh man besides the discord server you could also of course right here on youtube if you're watching already we're grateful for you hope you are subscribed if you're listening on the podcast go to the youtube channel and hit subscribe it's youtube.com slash the nwa pod if you are not following the podcast you can also do that for the days that you can't catch the video it all goes up on the podcast feed and uh you can just hit that on any of our social media links uh you'll find the the link to we're on spotify apple podcasts any anywhere you get your podcasts you can find us napster. yeah napster, napster. <laughs> oh man anyway so what we're gonna do now is what we always do we're gonna wrap up the podcast portion of this and we're still gonna hang out with the live chat and we're gonna talk about anything you guys want you guys already sent us some topics if you got more send them in the chat here or on social media whatever will where are you in the interwebs uh, at Hey, it's Will with one L pretty much everywhere. Uh, also want to mention, as I did before earlier, the website, uh, the NWA pod.com. Uh, I got some updates and some things coming uh, on that front. So make sure you sign up for the email list at the bottom. Just put in your email and sign up. Uh, new merch releases. We're, we're going to push that out through email with some discount codes first before we put it on social media. So make sure you join up there. And um, we got some cool stuff coming up too. Um, as I mentioned earlier, in the form of some written historical con uh, content that you guys will probably be really interested in. So just keep your ear to the ground at the nwapod.com. Absolutely. Stinson. I am at rstinson4 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me here every Sunday and uh, Tuesday, soon to be Thursday night on Twitter or on you on uh, the U the U channel, whatever we're on right now. 
right Thursday? Oh, oh we had, well, we, we haven't talked about that, that yet. Yeah. Thanks, so never, never mind. Disregard Sweet. that. Uh, Friday on Piper's notes. I also want to put over all the uh, all the the acolytes of the NWA hashtag NWA fam that do their hard work. The Nation Show, uh, Doctor Red Tyler, man, who uh, is just chomping at the bit to get into that uh, square circle and, and have an active role and wrestling with the MMA, who uh, who's always out here being faithful and every time. Uh, just uh, making the show fun, but uh, you know you can find us anywhere you see the hashtag in the beauty fam. All right, and um, I am at this is Gary Horn. I am on and that on all the social medias. The podcast is at the NWA Pod everywhere. Like Will said, check out the NWAPod.com. You can uh, buy us a beer there if you want to. If you like what we do here. Uh, super helpful and plenty of cool merch and stuff will will does a great job with the website anyway that's going to be it for the podcast portion if you're listening to this thank you so much for doing that we are grateful to you uh if you want to hang out for the uh other stuff though for the live chat and all the shenanigans we get into you have to join us live uh to be able to do that on the youtube channel but um anyway thanks again for listening to the podcast this is the nwa uh you guys enjoy your gravy cake <laughs>